You're listening to the Open Court Podcast with Jay Young, Bob Huesler, and Joe DeSantis. An all-access pass to Fairfield University men's basketball. We welcome you once again to Open Court with Jay Young, your information source about Fairfield basketball. Along with the coach, I'm Bob Huesler, joined by my broadcast partner, the Fairfield Hall of Famer, Joe DeSantis. Also joining us today, the Stag Sophomore Center out of New Carrollton, Maryland, Chris Mito. Fairfield coming off a series split against Quinnipiac, and now the Stags get ready for a weekend series in Jersey City against St. Peter's. And uh, Jayla started off this week uh, by talking about the restart process for the Stags. Uh, the team, as we all know by now, was in quarantine for a couple of weeks following a positive test. And then you play Quinnipiac in game one on Sunday, February 7th. When exactly – did you get back on the practice floor to begin getting ready for that game this past Sunday? Uh, Tuesday night, Bob, we got out of quarantine Monday and we had to some protocols and some things that we had to uh, clear uh, medically to get the guys okay to practice. We did that kind of during the day on Tuesday and then had like a late practice 8 p.m. on uh, on Tuesday night. So that was the first time we were back out there. So how difficult was um that process i mean something that you had never gone through before a lot of coaches unfortunately are experiencing similar circumstances is something you're dealing with essentially on the fly a restart so to speak uh take us through what had to be more of a step-by-step process as opposed to just going full out on day one yeah we we had gone through quarantines before but just not during the season we, we had gone through them in the preseason we started practice a week late um, and we had different lengths of quarantine, but this was the kind of longest that we'd all been uh, <clears throat> quarantined together. And, um, you know, it, we tried to keep these guys as active as possible in the hotel room. Mike Harris, our strength and conditioning coach, would do these hour Zoom workouts with him. Um, and, and he did a great job. But there's, you know, you can only replicate so much when you're jumping over an ice bucket in your, in your hotel room. So uh, to, to say that it was uh, an ugly practice on Tuesday, Chris will probably back me up on this. It, it, uh, it with a combination of conditioning and, and uh, you know, just guys being out of the rhythm, it, it didn't look great. Uh, it progressively got a little better, but we, we only we had five practices, I think. Um, yeah, five practices before we played Quinnipiac on, on Sunday. Well, Chris, let's ask you, what was it like, first of all, before talking about getting back up to speed in the practices, what was it like being in that two-week quarantine? As Coach said, you you had gone through this earlier in the season, but now you're in the middle of the season, and uh, now you're quarantined for two weeks. What was that like for a college sophomore <laughs> It was actually very tough, especially being there by yourself. Usually you're with the guys or some or anything, but it was something that we had to do in order to continue with our season. So it was a precaution that we had to take. Yeah. yeah. Was it a, a Joe? My partner has made the point that maybe it was tougher on you guys mentally, even than it was physically. And I'm sure it was tough physically, but what about that point that uh, Joe made on the air that maybe even mentally it was, it was harder on you guys. I would say it was harder mentally because usually um, it's just not just being kind of isolated by yourself in like a room for like two weeks. We'll only see each other probably 
when we wanted to, when we had to go get tested, that was probably the only time seeing each other. So trying to stay connected without actually seeing each other, we would talk, we would text, we would text each other, try to keep each other company. But other than that, it was, it was tough. Uh, I have one for Jay and Chris, but, um, something for you. Jay, when you first started that Tuesday night at 8 p.m., did you have, other than Jalen Leach who's injured, did you, and, um, and Whipple, <clears throat> did you have everyone? No. <clears throat> oh, okay. at 8 p.m.? At 8 p.m., I'm sorry, Joe. Uh, In other words, did we, you have everyone to start practice or that individual or two? I don't even know who or when or how. Yeah, no, we had, we had everybody at practice. <clears throat> But guys, uh, there was limits uh, on practice uh, length for individual, okay. if if that okay. makes sense. So we couldn't go the two full hours with everybody. We we had to moderate uh, depending on where your COVID situation was. That's kind of where you were. But we we did have everybody. <clears throat> excuse me, but we weren't able to practice with everybody uh, the the full two hours. Okay, so. I, again, I, I just can't fathom this, Chris. So technically, you're not supposed to leave the room. Uh, yeah. You're not supposed to open the door. So now, did you have a certain time that – did you, were you guys on a schedule? Time to get up, time to work out, time to eat. Um, I mean, I don't know. Were you, are you, yeah. were you in school then? You had, you had schoolwork to do? Just give me like a schedule real quick if you can. Okay, so – we started school probably the week after. So we were there for two, about two weeks. We started like halfway there. Okay. So in the beginning, we we woke up around like, so let's say we're getting tested. So we got tested at like eight. We'll have to wake up at like 7.30 or 7, 7.30. The shuttle will be here at uh, 7.45 to come pick us up. Then we'll go to the school, get tested. Oh, okay. Then we'll come back. And then after that, People who have class at like 12.30 will go to their class. And then it's just like that class for the rest of the day. And then that's the whole time we have. We will eat lunch at around like 1. And then they'll give us dinner at like 6. And then that's it for the day. But, wow. Yeah, and for our listeners who don't know uh, exactly what we're referring to here when we talk about being in a room, Chris, you were in the Trumbull Marriott, right, for those, those two yeah. weeks of quarantine. You were in, in a hotel room. But, Chris, uh, what, what was it like uh, balancing uh, that, that sequence of events? I mean, all right, now you're in quarantine. You're going through the schedule you just talked about, and you have the presumption of classes. I mean, that was a lot on your plate, wasn't it? Yeah, it was actually – because especially the first week of class – it's like almost kind of everything being thrown at you. You're trying to like get organized and stuff, trying to figure out like a good schedule for when to do work and time to like study. So I was trying to balance all that out, but I found, we all found a way to do that, so. Yeah, you guys usually do. Um, how, uh, how do you feel physically? How much did you lose during the quarantine in terms of uh, just your, your your physical well-being? Uh, I wouldn't say, I mean, conditioning was one thing, but I felt like once we kind of got like on the track of it, started to get better and better. And physically, I feel I feel great because the Zoom workouts they definitely help. They help. It's better than doing nothing, so that helped a lot. So I would say I feel pretty good physically. Did you do anything on your own? Like I, 
I, I'm a type A. I can't sit still. So did you do push-ups, sit-ups? Did you run the hallways? Did you run the steps? One thing that they focused on me was just eating a lot. So anything, I would, I would just spend most of my time just eating anything. So, yeah. I think that's actually music to coach's ears because, Chris, uh, I, probably you've been asked a thousand times about uh, putting on weight. And uh, is that something that you still find uh, uh, challenging? What is the balance between actually eating a lot and eating well and putting on weight? And, and, and are you tired of talking about that subject of being a guy who needs to maybe put on a little bit more bulk? Uh, it's, at first, it was kind of challenging. But I feel like with the coach getting with the strength coach and everything, figuring out a way what to eat or like when to eat, and like the things that I could like eat, I figured that out and I started to actually put it into like practice and actually started to slowly gain weight. But I feel better about it now. Um, your program weight is uh, 190. What do you see as the ultimate goal uh, when you actually um, get to where you think you should be based on what uh, coaches told you and your strength and conditioning coaches have told you? What would you like to uh, eventually be at by the time, uh, let's say you're a senior or even in your fifth year, which you will now have the option of taking? Uh, well, one probably around like 225. That's probably one that I hear a lot. But I really, I really don't know. But that's one of the main goals. So I want to get there first and see how everything feels, how I look and everything. And then we'll go up from there, see how 240 even looks, but we'll see. The incredible uh, bulk. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's talked to you about putting on weight, and uh, Bob just mentioned um, uh, something that um, just jagged my mind here. Um, what what um, what do you think, other than strength, what do you think uh, you need to improve on? Uh, uh, I feel like there's always something that I could work on most likely my like offensive game and defensively too just but in general I feel like my IQ being able to learn and think the game I feel like that will help me tremendously because right now I'm not thinking as much as I can so I feel like that would be a good a good part of my game people have talked a lot about you about your potential okay mm -hmm. um when the NSA decided that this year was going to be a mulligan that it didn't really count how, what were your thoughts about that? Um, I was just thinking to just to see where I could get, use that as an extra year, see if I could reach that potential or instead of just calling the potential, just see if I could actually just get there. So that will, that will help with another year to like get to where I actually want to be. So for a few minutes, Jay, I just want to talk about uh, those weekend games against Quinnipiac uh, starting of course with, with the Sunday game, which was a, a bad Fairfield loss in terms of final score. And I wanted to know about your emotions during that game. Your frustration would have been understandable, but you kind of had to temper that with uh, what the circumstances were. But that's a fine line to, to walk, isn't it? You, you know, you don't want to accept what in that first game was a, a lopsided loss. But on the other hand, you knew what you're dealing with with those adverse circumstances going in. Yeah, I just told the guys that we're not going to use that as an excuse uh, for this game. And, I'm, and you know, every team in the country has had to deal uh, in some aspect with COVID. 
uh, and other teams have had it worse than us. So we're going to go out and we're going to play uh, and, and we're not going to use it as an excuse. Uh, I understand the realities of what we were going through and, and those guys being, uh, you know, in the hotel for 10 days and not being able to do much. But I, I just told them that, you know, uh, that we can't, we got to go out and play and, and it's on the schedule and there's no asterisk at the end of the season next to the Quinnipiac game that, that we had uh, COVID before this, uh, a COVID situation. Quinnipiac went through a situation on their own. So uh, this is what you got to do this year. You got to come out of it and you got to be tough and resilient. And my frustration was more about, uh, I, I actually thought our conditioning didn't show up. It showed up a couple places, but it was more the, uh, I think that it, the, the detail in the scouting report mistakes that we made the first night, we really, uh, I was frustrated with, with a few of the things that we had kind of gone over multiple times and we still didn't execute them scouting port, report wise. Um, so we kind of got back, you know, Saturday morning, cleaned those things up, but that was more my frustration. Not, you know, I, I we're going to miss shots and some of our timing and some of our offensive stuff was going to be off. I, I kind of knew that, but I, I was really just, disappointed and like I said just our execution on the defensive end was some ball screen coverage stuff and we missed a couple switches that we had gone over you know all week and we didn't execute so that that's that's kind of where I was at with that yeah I I, I want to clear something up uh, I'm pretty sure I'm correct in saying this but Quinnipiac was not on pause okay they you were not on, up, no. no you were on pause you actually didn't play for three weeks and you're on pause for 10 days they didn't play for two weeks. I'm just calling a spade a spade here. So they were able to practice, strategically take days off, do their team functions, scrimmage five on five, do their extra scouting report. So however way you slice it, whether you're a Fairfield fan or not, they had a clear, clear, clear advantage. And I think it showed that first night. I'm I would agree. I would agree with that. But at the same time, you know, it's, you know, Sienna was on pause and came back and beat us twice. So it, 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 it's, it happens. Teams have gone through it. Um, you know. Yeah, but, but Siena is a team that's, you know, unanimously picked number one. This is a Quinnipiac team that's, you know, you're both uh, neck and neck there, you know, at the bottom of the standings. They, they I, got, I gave them all the credit in the world, right, Bob Quinnipiac and their broad, on the broadcast for the way they played. Yeah. But I, I can't – I make it might get too much out of this, but I can't sit here and, and not say that they didn't have a distinct advantage. They're not that much better than you that particular day when everything's even. We don't have to talk about it anymore. I think Bob Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I agree. With, I mean, if you're asking me, I, I 100% wish we were practicing and had the same advantage. There's no question about that. And and I knew it was going to be a disadvantage going into the game. There's, you know, I, everybody does. If Quinnipiac was in the same boat, we would have had the advantage. But, right. uh, but, but my frustration wasn't really – I guess my point is my frustration wasn't really with the – the conditioning or the, or the missed shots, it was more of a lack of concentration that, 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 you know, wasn't about the 10 days. It was about the five practices that we had before and, and some of the details that we had gone over. First, how about for you uh, coming out and playing in that uh, game one against Quinnipiac? You came off of the bench in that game, uh, started in game two. But um, did you notice a big difference between, say, playing that first game after the pause and then even turning around the next day and uh, getting your legs under you, so to speak? Uh, I felt like it was like just the first game back. So we really didn't really like, that was the first time in like three weeks playing together again. So we're trying to get that right, get that back. And we just, as you said, the competitiveness, we're trying to get back in that, but it was hard trying to like 
at the first day. So we, I would say that the second game, it was, we just learned after that first game, we just, I hate to say that every time we lose the first game, we, that's like a, a jump starter, I guess, for us to like play even harder, but it shouldn't be that way. But I would say that it was, we just felt better the second game because we already had one under our belt. So, and Jay, uh, you, if you were to follow up on what Chris just said, what do you consider the biggest factors in, in, in a positive way that accounted for the turnaround in game two against Quinnipiac? Uh, just, you know, how hard we, we competed. We competed much harder on the second day, and our execution defensively was, was some stuff that we had gone over. Um, certainly was better. Um, and, and just, you know, kind of our awareness of their – personnel was much better and that goes back to scouting report stuff you know mm-hmm. I was really frustrated we had made a uh, you know even though it wasn't a long those five days before you know really talking about um, Ragoni especially and and you know locating him and just some stuff we wanted to do with him and I just didn't think that we we did a great job on him letting him get free uh, and and just mm-hmm. you know our awareness of some of their personnel was was poor that first night we did a better job certainly on that second night yeah, I think Jacob Bragoni is a guy who's going to be sad to see alumni Hall get knocked down. He hit that <laughs> game winner against you last year, and then he had the uh, the five threes in game one. But absolutely, you did a uh, much better job in game two all around. And uh, I wanted to bring this up with you re- related to that Quinnipiac win. And, and Joe can he'll laugh about this. I would bring up this number all the time during broadcasts. Um, I called it the unmagic number of 64 with you as coach Jay Fairfield, when you've allowed 64 points or more before Monday, you were 0 and 26. If you will, that was it. If you allowed 64 more points, you, you lost until Monday. So I wanted to know how important was it? If it was important, the win is the important thing, but how nice was it? if that's the word to use, to win what you would call a quote-unquote high-scoring game. You know, you were in a game in the 70s and won that game. Um, any significance to that at all, or is it just something that is a statistical uh, observation that we, we make here in the media? Well, the, the, you know, the number, and I, I've told the guys this on Saturday uh, because I've been you know really frustrated with, with us defensively this year. When we held a team, we hold the team under – one point per possession d- defensively. I think we're, uh, I think we're 16 and three now since I've been there, 16 and three, uh, one point. So we've done it four times this year. We're four and oh, and we did it 13 times last year. We lost the USC game. I think we lost one of the, the St. Peter's game and maybe one other. And we also held did four times. We held them exactly last year to one point per possession. So we've only, so my thing is, as long as, if we hold the team to one point, uh, under one point per possession defensively, that's the number that we got to go for. I don't really look at it as, as my thing is like, you know, the offense just tells you the amount you're going to win by. So for us, it's always been about stops and rebounding. And really, I told the guys, I'm going to give you the secret to get to Atlantic City and have a, uh, just hold the team under one point per possession. And we can do that. We've done it mm-hmm. now four times this year. We did it 13 times last year. Um, so we're more than capable of doing it. And if we do do it, the numbers tell us that, you know, 
whatever that number is, I'm not great at math, but 80%, 85% of the time, we're going to win the game. Um, I like I like that number much better. Yeah. So <laughs> the, the points, I, I'm just, a, you know, I always say, guys, offense just tells you how many you're going to win by. You know, if you, if, if you have a bad night, you win by a few. If you have a great night, you win by a lot. But the defense is the part that we, we have done a, a very inconsistent, uh, I use the term bipolar <laughs> a lot, uh, job uh, this year. And we have got to be a more consistent defensive team. Uh, and, and we're very capable of doing it. Very, very, and we've shown moments where we've done it. We've just got to, we've got to do them uh, for longer stretches of time. But, um, you know, that's the number for me. The, as soon as I get a box score at, at the end of the, the uh, night, the only thing I start figuring out is points per possession defensively. That's the one number I look at immediately. And then I'll look at the other ones after. Chris, uh, you're a big part of that. Uh, you're, a, you're a rim protector. And obviously, Coach is leaning on you to be an outstanding defensive player. How much progress do you think you have made in your time at Fairfield at the defensive end? And how much more work do you need to do? Uh, I feel like I've gained a lot of knowledge defensively and understanding and like with positions and stuff like that. I feel like that's basically what the program is about defense, defense, defending and rebounding. So, but I also feel like there's way more space for improvement that I have in what that comes with like off ball timing and everything like that positioning. So, but in overall, I feel like it's great. Like I feel I'm doing very well on defense. Jay, I know you take a lot of pride in working with big men throughout your career. Uh, what kind of specific work have you been doing with Chris uh, toward that end, toward the defensive end and the rebounding end? And, and uh, in your estimation, what kind of progress has he made over his uh, couple of years here at Fairfield? Oh, Chris has come light years from, from when we first got him. I mean, his, you know, you know, Chris's, uh, really idea of defense was just standing next to his guy when we first got him and, and <laughs> hope that he didn't score. Um, so he's, he's, you know, Chris is as, and, and I mean this, he's as good a, uh, a kid, young man as I've ever been around and um, just, just uh, has come a long way and still has a long way to go. I know we use that word with potential a lot with Chris and I'm, I had even told him this year, I'm, I'm not going to use that anymore. It's time for him to start, playing and we're not going to use the word potential anymore with him so uh but just just the the progress that he's made on both ends of the floor um from when if if you guys had, and i think you might have seen some early practices when chris first got here last year uh and i'm not telling him any but just the, him his ability to get through a practice right chris last year uh was something we were hoping he could do and now he's practicing much better he's been more consistent uh, defensively still got a way to go. And a lot of that has to do quite honestly with the strength and the conditioning aspect that he's got to continue to work on that end of the floor. Um, but, you know, he still feels a little more comfortable facing up. We got to get him, Shar, you know, a little jump hook in the game the other day that he's worked hard on, uh, made his four free throws, which is huge for Chris and, and, you know, and, and made two big ones when we need them. So he's, yep. he's worked hard at that part of the game. And, uh, you know, I, I, I say this to him all the time. I think the sky's the limit. I hate to talk to him. I, I, I almost got to stop talking because we've got to get now producing and, and talk, stop talking about potential, potential. But, uh, you know, Chris, Chris works hard in practice. He's come, he's come such a long way, probably more so than any player in our program, quite honestly. Mm -hmm. Hey, uh, Chris, um, 
one of the big things I think you're missing out on with this um, COVID and and um, isolation is, um, I mean, you had it last year, getting to meet our fans. You know, Fairfield is family. I, Bob and I have been involved with Fairfield basketball for many, many years, and it's a great community. It's it's a loving community, and the people want to get to know the players. And um, so quickly, without taking up too much time, I'm just curious, when did you pick up basketball? Why are there basketball players in your family? I want to know who recruited you and, and why you chose Fairfield. So first of all, talk to me about, you know, little Chris Mido and when did you pick up a basketball? Uh, so it started like in church. We had like a mini, we had like a basketball court there and it was like all the older guys were playing on it, playing, was playing basketball. I was just the little one. I was always like, trying to like, you know, every time the ball went out of bounds, I would try to get that. And like, that was just something that was just always there. So, and I found to like, just, it was so fun to me. And then starting. So, how, how, so in other words, you weren't playing. You were, you were watching the older guys play. Yeah. I like, was never playing with like them. You were like a ball boy. Yeah. Yeah. They would never let me play with them. I would just shoot. Whenever they were done, that's when I would start to shoot. Me and my other friends, younger, we started to shoot around and stuff like that. But Yeah. So what age was that? Did you start to pick up a basketball and start shooting around? Probably like six or seven around that age, I would say six or seven. Okay. Out of high school, uh, prep school, whatever, your final choices were? My final choices were either ECU or Western Kentucky at the time. And you chose Fairfield for a lot of reasons? It was like – Everything that I – because me personally, like, those big schools and stuff, like, I thought about it on all the aspects with academics, with just um, basketball-wise and just with the coaches. I feel like I had the best con- connection with the coaching staff here than all the other coaches that I've talked to. It was more like – I just – the right feeling. The right feeling, the right fit for me. Everything just worked out together. So Good. Jay, what about uh, your story? If you were to tell the recruiting story uh, from your perspective uh, about Chris Mido, when did he first come to your attention? And uh, tell us about, um, from your point of view, how you managed to bring Chris to Fairfield. Well, I knew of Chris's um, AAU team. He played on a very good AAU team out of the Baltimore area. And Jordan Brooks, uh, I got to know him as AAU coach and, and kind of like a mentor to Chris. Uh, got to know him well just through, uh, uh, you know, my time at Rutgers. And when I got the job at Fairfield, I spoke with Jordan. I knew I always Chris was always uh, intriguing because of his length and his size. And he fit into the the, the kind of guys I liked that could cover defensively. Uh, didn't know much about him as a person at all. And Jordan and I just started talking. Uh, he thought it would be a good fit. He thought that it would be best for Chris to go to a place where uh, we could be patient with him because there was a strength and conditioning issue and a, and a weight issue that we need to kind of wait on a little bit. And, um, you know, just started from there. Chris had some Atlantic 10 people kind of messing around with him and uh, got on the phone with Chris and Jordan kind of um, connected us and, and just started a relationship with him. We had him in for uh, a visit. You know, uh, the only problem on the visit, he was the least expensive guy food-wise. He ordered like an appetizer. He was full. Uh, I didn't like that. Uh, but uh, just a tremendous young man, great family, great 
great people with his family. And I thought he would be perfect for Fairfield. And uh, he's been a great addition to our team in the community. He's, he's again, uh, people love him on this campus and, and we love having him. Chris, uh, you started your high school career, if I have it correct, uh, at Parkdale. And then you eventually moved on to a Scotland campus in uh, Pennsylvania, a much higher level of basketball. What was, what was behind that progression? Uh, coming out of high school, I felt like that was, that was always like, there's always something I could learn. Like I was, I was thinking what was the next step for me? Uh, so I felt like high school, I really didn't have that much, that many offers. Didn't have, probably had like a division two, JUCOs and stuff like that, but none of them were actually full. So I decided to go to, I played, I decided to play AAU in the summer with, um, my Jordan, Coach Brooks. And then from there, we figured out that going to Scotland campus would be like the best decision for me at the time. So I went there, had a great year, and now I'm here. So. Yeah, and you had a, a really good player to go up against in practice, and your teammate, uh, he's at Pitt now, right? Kareem uh, Cooley Bali. That, that was probably yeah. a, a challenge for you uh, at Scotland, wasn't it? Yeah, uh-huh. it was great, great competition, though. Everybody, and, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was saying, yeah, everybody got after it from the guard. Every position, we had a good player, I felt like, that always wanted to, you know, prove that they belong. Because for us, it was like everybody was fighting for for their spot, no matter who it was. But, yeah. And and I was going to ask you along those same lines, what's it like uh, against uh, Supreme Cook in, in practice? And uh, talk a little bit as a fellow big about his game and what kind of upside he has. He's he's very like he's very he's a strong, very strong, uh, probably one of the strongest on the team. I'll say when it comes to that, it's it's like wrestling down there, especially in the post. Always wrestling with him. You have to get your position right because if you end up behind him, it's basically automatic. Uh, he just bullies you down. But, so you got to just play strategically, play with an angle, play smarter, all the positioning. And even then, sometimes that it just you make a mistake and then he capitalizes on it. But All the more reason to uh, keep sticking uh, to that uh, weight training program. Uh, yeah. Look, more of an even footing on uh, with uh, Supreme. I did want to ask you, again, along those same lines, and everybody went through this, but not having last summer as a normal summer in order to do your work. Uh, how motivated are you to hopefully be able to get on more of a track in this offseason? What are your priorities? Uh, again, looking, you know, we're looking farther down the road here. You still have a lot of basketball to play here, but you did lose a summer last year for all intents and purposes. How much uh, are you looking forward to making it up when you do get that opportunity again? I'm very excited for this postseason. I feel like this is probably the the one where I make the my biggest jump yet with strength and everything, uh, gaining weight with all that, especially on the court. So I'm really excited about that. I'm sure Coach Young is uh, happy to hear that. And um, Chris, I know Jay's going to be leaning on you uh, heavily this weekend. Uh, you get St. Peter's, and they have an outstanding team, and they have a great big in Casey Nadefo. And just wanted to start to wrap things up here, Coach, by uh, talking about the preparation 
for St. Peter's, uh, a challenging weekend series coming up down in Jersey City. What are uh, your points of emphasis this week heading into that series against the Peacocks? Yeah, certainly Nadefo is going to be a challenge as are their guard. Their guard play is very, very good. Um, and I think they're undefeated at home right now. Uh, uh, they haven't lost a home game all season. So we know it's going to be a great challenge for us. But, you know, we, we're going to have to go out and defend with a purpose um, and do a good job on the defo, but they've got other weapons that can, that can hurt you too. But, you know, I, I think they've got really good dynamic guards that really make the defo better. We got to keep them out of the lane and, and our, uh, you know, our defense on the perimeter has to improve uh, and, and be better than it was this past weekend. So it's, it's going to be a challenge. The, the one good thing is I think this is the fourth or fifth time we started preparing for them. Uh, so, <laughs> so, you know, I, I realized when I got home last night and started watching more video that I've already, already watched like four of their games from before when we thought we we're going to, I think we were on two different occasions that we thought we were going to play yeah. them. Yeah. Um, so, so we, we started today with our prep and um, you know, it did, um, you know, Shah does a great job there. They'll be well-prepared and a uh, different type of team. Cause they will pressure more than other teams in our league. They'll pick you up at 94 feet and our guards are going to have to play. Everybody's going to have to play, but our guards going to have to come to play and, and, uh, you know, but for me, it, I just, I, it always goes back to the same thing. You know, we, we're going to have to defend and rebound and do that at a high level and come out of there with, with, with win. Now, where are they back at Yanatelli? When are they going to be back at Yanatelli if they're not? No, they're not back. They're playing at, uh, I believe, Jersey City State, Joe. Okay. Um, I've seen it on film, but I've never right, been right. there. Chris, what are your thoughts about uh, St. Peter's? They're just ready to compete that's who we are like we just ready to compete and uh ready to compete after a, a good feeling uh against uh based on that game against quinnipiac and uh coach uh, you can't really overemphasize uh what a great win that was for you on on monday against quinnipiac really did get you back into as much a, as a physical sense a, a mental a positive mental state of mind didn't it yeah it did we you know um we just, we need to start, I said today, we need to win two in a row, guys. And it's amazing that, that we haven't, you know, we haven't done that. But we need to now capitalize on this win, have a great week of practice. Our approach going into Friday, uh, I'm sorry, Saturday night has got to be, you know, better than it has been these first nights. And it's, you know, we've probably addressed the, the first nights. We're almost setting them up to fail because that's all we talk about is playing better on those first nights. And, uh probably addressing it too much, you know, uh, with them, but we, we've, we've just got to, you know, play a much better brand of basketball that first night, make fewer mistakes and they'll make you pay for your mistakes because their speed is very good. So if you have a turnover, they're going to convert it to two, if you take a bad shot, they're going to convert it. So you've got to be really smart the way that you attack St. Peter's. And, uh, like I said, we, we just, we've got to play better on those first nights and execute better. And, and, um, and I hope we do. I hope we take from what, what we learned from, from Quinnipiac. And, and like you said, Bob, the good feeling that we had on Monday and, and carry that forward this weekend. Uh, the usual housekeeping question, uh, everybody, we know about Jalen. Uh, we spoke to you during the last podcast about the surgery on his foot and uh, the prognosis there, as we all know, is very good. He should, as we understand it, make a complete and full recovery and be back to full speed. Beyond that, anything else uh, that we need to know about the overall well-being of the team? We're good. Just, to, you know, the normal normal uh, bruises and nicks that come mid-February with everybody. That's that's what yeah. we've got right now. So, knock on wood, we're good. And 
Uh, Jalen, I had a follow-up appointment, uh, I think, believe today, and he's been at home the whole time. It's just been easier for him to stay home and rehab, especially with the COVID stuff. So he'll be rejoining us soon, and uh, it'll be good to see him again. Good. Joe, anything else? No, just um, I just want to say congratulations. I, I thought that win uh, was probably the best win that you've had since you've been here, Jay. I think considering what you guys went through, the way you got beat down on, on that Sunday uh, for obvious reasons and coming back, I, I, I just liked the fire. The, the you kids just had the fire in their eyes, you know, the toughness. And I think there's no doubt, Chris and you guys, you continue to do that. The rest of the year should be, uh, should be really good. Go, go play with a chip on his shoulder. Go play, you know, just, just play like you did Monday and, um, and you, you're going to do fine. But I, I certainly enjoyed the way you came back again against a, a Mac opponent, an in-state rival, I thought it showed a lot of character and uh, good things to come. Yeah, thanks, Joe. I, you know, we we got to play angrier at times. I say that all the time. We got, we right. you know, um, you know, couple couple. I'm not advocating uh, anybody get hurt, but I just wasn't happy with the way that they uh, just kind of got down the lane unobstructed on us a couple times on Friday night. That we've got to make a statement and not allow people to to do that. And uh, you know, we we did a much better job on Monday of doing that. And Chris, just wanted to uh, thank you for joining us and spending time with us today. And uh, listen, I'm not trying to get us in trouble with uh, the Marriott uh, hotel chain, but I think it's safe to say you probably would not be upset if you never saw the inside of a Marriott hotel room <laughs> again in your life, right? <laughs> yeah. Just, just for an away game, just for an away game. That's the only time we'll yeah. see it. <laughs> yeah, that actually is something to look forward to, a, a, a normal schedule and you can travel on the road and uh, fans of the stand and so on and so forth. But that's for a podcast down the line. Uh, Chris, again, thanks for your time and, and best of luck uh, going forward with what we're sure is going to be a great Fairfield career. Thank you. And I'll do it for this edition of Open Court with Jay Young, and we will be back with you Next week to talk about the games that we just discussed, the games coming up against St. Peter's, and then get you ready for the final two, final two games. And this time it actually is for real, the final two games in the history of Alumni Hall. We'll talk about that on the next podcast. It'll be Fairfield playing Canisius to bring down the curtain for the second time at Venerable Old Alumni Hall. So for Jay Young and the Fairfield Hall of Famer, Joe DeSantis, and for our special guest, Chris Mido, and our producer extraordinaire, Ryan Moynihan, I'm Bob Eastler. Thanks for listening to Open Court. The Open Court Podcast is a presentation of Fairfield University Athletics. For future podcasts, videos, news, stats, and coverage of Fairfield Stags men's basketball, log on to fairfieldstags.com.